was lurking round the shops Yous were scheming on a lamb chop And then the fucking cops came They tried to get you in the van but just ran off I seen you trying to express your feelings Some cunt said go back to New Zealand I seen you trying to have a go at the food at the supermarket You cunt Use a fucking dog down at the dog park Down at the dog park Down at the dog park Use a fucking dog Down at the dog park Down at the dog park Down at the dog park Use a fucking dog Down at the dog park Down at the dog park Down at the dog park Use a fucking dog Down at the dog park Down at the dog park Use a fucking dog down at the dog park. And you know what time it is? It's tremendous time. That's right. Down at the dog park, in your living room, wherever you are, how are you? Gather around, enjoy the sultry tones of Siggy Retz. Uh, Miles Milson is the Sydney comedian that has provided this music, has created this gem of a track. You can find him on Spotify or on Instagram under Siggy Rets, that's S-I-G-G-Y-R-E-T-T-S. But forget all of that. Forget everything I've just said. It's tremendous time. Lock in, get, pay attention to what I'm saying, or don't let it go. Download, give us a like and review. That's what I want to know. That's what I want to see. Uh, with me today, we have Sydney upstart comedian. We have good friend of mine, Mr. Mitch, Floor Drugs Parry. What's going on, tremendous brothers and sisters right. and non-binaries? <laughs> That's the tremendous people. The tremendous people. I am here. That's right. And uh, Mitch uh, is a tremendous person himself, uh, listens to the podcast, and now is attending the podcast. That's one of the things that we do on the Tremendous Podcast. We break the third wall and give people our address. You the, can make it. It yeah. is possible. <laughs> <laughs> we can all touch this guy. Even if it's just like the, the roof of your own house with a stool, <laughs> just don't touch it. I think that's a ceiling, but yeah, <laughs> I think that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, we've reached it at this podcast in the two minute mark. <laughs> we, we, we've hit it. Hopefully, we can smash through. Um, this is, uh, guys. Uh, how are we doing? What's going on in the tremendous podcast? What's going on in the tremendous verse? Um, I can tell you what we're going to be doing here today. We're going to be talking about some Australian history. We're going to be talking about, and the reason we're going to be talking about Australian history uh, with Mr. Mitch Parry is because in uh, Melbourne for the Deadly Funny competition, uh, Mitch happened to be in Melbourne when I was, and we, we were chilling in my hotel room with some of the other contestants in the competition, and he just started spouting off Australian history, naming dates, names, and facts that all um, fascinated us. We were all thinking, I wish that Mitch was our history teacher uh, <laughs> back in high school. I would have remembered some of this, but, um, but I thought that it would be a good opportunity to um, talk about some Australian history. And believe it or not, I'm going to get Mitch and uh, Shane Hunter, Shane Shunter Hunter, the Queensland comedian, to come on and um, talk about Australian history together. I think it, we'll be able to do that in August. Um, I say we're going to do that. Don't hold me to it. We've got Mitch, we've got Mitch Parry here today. Yeah, we're here today. <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen in August? <laughs> exactly. Um, I call Mitch... Uh, do you want to explain why I call um, why I call you Mr. Floor Drugs? Well, it, it's going back to an earlier episode. I guess there would have been some people that remember, I guess. But mm. it was uh, it was an idea for, is this a segment of <laughs> just getting some random baggies and putting them on the floor because of a game that me and my brother would play? Uh, he, he worked on Oxford Street. And on Mondays, we would have floor drug night of just whatever he found. And we would just... <laughs> 
put it straight up our nostrils. <laughs> he was a bartender in Oxford Street, and whatever he found on the on the floor of the venue he was working in, he would bring to Mitch's place and be like, well, I guess what we're doing. <laughs> yeah, like one week the roommate came home and we were just like pumped, you know, we had a house music coming. And then the next week uh, she came home and uh, the other roommate came home and we'd had ketamine and we were just completely stuck on the lounge and couldn't move. <laughs> <laughs> but that, that's exactly right. Because the thing about drugs is that uh, drug dealers don't always label what it is. It's not, even, it's not always yeah. like, this is ketamine. <laughs> this is uh, So you were just uh, snorting indiscriminate powders and, uh, and uh, flowers. <laughs> I remember when I was working, I was working working on Oxford Street at, uh, I used to work at Brighton Up Bar and I was just in the bottle bit though. The, it says the liquor here. I don't know if you've been on Oxford Street. Uh, yeah, I love that place. It. Yeah, so I remember one day right as we put the rollers down, there was this guy and he hadn't realised, but as he pulled his wallet out to pay for last minute long necks, he dropped his baggie just inside the thing. Oh. So he ran around into the bar and he goes, you've just dropped the roller down. He goes, I guarantee you there's a full bag just on the floor on the other side of the on the other side of the shelf. He goes, if you go over it on the other side and it's there, he goes, I'll give you half of it. Oh, give me half of that. that sounds like a good guy. <laughs> and I was like, nah, just give me a little bit, man. I just took the bottom. Oh, oh, I couldn't even awesome, take half of it. Dude. I was like, That's fucking I feel like that yeah. shit always happens to you. He was such a legend. Oh, I just stumble that, into drugs sometimes. But, but that's the thing. I think that I just people, find think, them. You, people think that you're just an Aussie legend. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like people think that they, they meet you and they're like, why Why don't I know this guy? You know what I mean? But I also feel like I do know him. Yeah. You know what I mean? But It happened in America a few times as well where I just like... Oh, you would keep, wipe up in America. It, with just, your, uh, it just would projecting voice. Some, and, yeah, yeah. you project <laughs> like they do with the same sort of confidence. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's the right level, but the, 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 the slack jaw is a little wrong. I know that twang they're like hey hey and they're like who is that and they're like i like that guy's moxie what in tarnation yeah 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 yeah, yeah. oh my god did yeah. you get to shoot a gun over there Nah, we never did it eh? we talked about doing it a few times but we never i did imagine it. that you would find a rifle in your hands over there yeah i've never i've never done the the gun shooting eh? i've never done it a couple mm. of my mates go and do they do like contract pig hunting they go out to like country new south wales and wipe them because they're just fucking shit up because you you you're quite an avid fisher right Oh, I do love a fish, yeah. You were telling me that um, when you I were I haven't broke, done as much lately, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. You were yeah. telling me about flathead um, flathead fishing when you're broke. Yeah, yeah, can yeah. You, can at, you give me an idea of what you would do? Well, so at Windang, which is uh, just, for anyone that doesn't know, like just south of Wollongong, it's like a, it's just a little inlet kind of thing, I guess, a river, I don't know what you'd call it, but there's a big sand flat there and you could just go at low tide and just have a squidgy, you wouldn't even need to get bait and you could just you know, stand in kind of shin deep water, knee deep water and just keep throwing it out and pulling it back in. And eventually you'd hook one. That's insane. And you just take it down to the side and just gut it, scale it. And then, yeah, you had fresh fish for dinner. Just shove some lemon and shit inside its guts and chuck it on the, the Weber and she's good to go. That's fucking <laughs> unbelievable. dude. And I remember you were saying, yeah, when I was broke uh, or didn't really have any money, I'd finish work, go to go and get some fishing. And I was like, what a beautiful picturesque moment. <laughs> yeah, like, but the reality of the situation was I was chewing through like an ounce of pot a week and that's why I couldn't feed myself. <laughs> so I was sitting there just blazes, fuck, going, come on, fishies. Man, blazing and fishing, that sounds great. <laughs> I need to eat. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. necessity is the uh, the growth of um, whatever that saying is. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> I had a fucking bludgiest job, so yeah. Oh, what was your job, sorry? Oh, I was just doing like, I was doing like strata inspections, going around looking at really? driveways and shit. Yeah. <laughs> Were you looking at driveways for, for leaves, like, and stuff? Like, oh, it's just, it was like a company that, oh, it's just such boring shit. Because so I used you, to do strata maintenance. No, so it's like, you have to have a sinking fund. 
which is like a thing for a strata. So you got to have like, it's to make sure dumb cunts and bogans don't blow all the strata money on pools because they, the pool will build, like the money will build up and the, all the white trash go, let's put a fucking slide in in a pool and all this shit. Wait, wait, wait. And wait. then some foundation sinks and they've got no fucking money to fix it. So it's essentially, it's essentially like a professional like parent to be like, you can't use your money. <laughs> Wait, okay, so, fix you. so you were a strata supervisor. Okay, so you'd go there. Um, so did you have to the, attend the meetings and stuff? Of like the- No, 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 not like that. So you, it's more like an outside contractor thing. So I got in because there was like some strata bullshit going on and there was all these lock, window lock things. So I had to go and fit all these locks and then they started, the, the thing was they were going to teach me the other part of the job. And then that was going to get me off the tool, so I wouldn't have to do locksmithing anymore. Right. But at the end of the contract, that just blew me off because I was being a fuck up. You know what I mean? I was blowing off work to go fishing to get food. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, you were doing locksmithing there? Yeah, well, I was doing some lock stuff and the other stuff as well. Okay, cool. Was that sort of the um, the? Okay, so w- before I get into that, uh, you were exp- you were saying that Strata builds up some money inside of a bank account. Yeah. So like, how does that work, and where is the money coming from? Everyone, they all pay strata fees. So if you have a strata, mm. you, you pay fees. So like, um, you know, even if as soon as there's like three blocks and it's like, you know, it's like three units, you're meant to have strata from there on. Okay. So everyone's got to pay a strata fee, probably quarterly or some shit. I don't know. I've never owned a house. I I've see. never had to pay the it. The tenants pay it, of course. Yeah. Dummy. Yeah. So not the not the renters, but the people that own it have to pay it. Oh, okay. Yeah, they have to pay the strata fee because they've got a stake in the building or whatever. And there's and there's some sort of contractual obligation to improve the um, apartments over a period of time. Well, they started it years ago, strata, and then, like I say, bogans were blowing the money on stupid shit to try and make the house, you know, look better, pool this and that. And they're not stopping to actually look and go, oh, the fucking foundation's sinking or- I live next the- to Bondi and there's rust cancer. Exactly, you know what I mean? yeah. yeah. The windows got to be changed every fucking yeah. 40 years or whatever. And okay. This is, the, you got to rust proof this every this long. And it was like a general, like, go around and, and I'll, oh, you need to do, you're going to need to redo that roof within five years. So mm. you need to leave this much money to cover this much roof and, mu- you know, all that kind of stuff. And they're like, but what about if we put a slide from yeah. the roof? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we wouldn't exactly. even have to think about it that much. Yeah. <laughs> and as soon as you go on site, there's always some fucking old cunt that's got nothing to do with his life who's just. <sighs> Bro, you nailed it. Just the same people. person every oh, time. You're doing cleaning. You completely understand. It was the same it. person every time. They're fucking assholes. I swear there would be widowers that their partner died and they're like, yeah. who else am I going to hassle? I can understand that. You just fucking jerk them off a little bit and they'll go away. No, they, they don't. haven't had any. <laughs> no, they don't, bro. You can jerk them off. There's nothing in there. There's, uh, they, they, they would sit at my, the, I would, I, cause I was doing strata cleaning. So I would have to clean out the wheelie bins. So like, oh, that's fucking take revolting. Them, take them out and then put them back in. But if they were ex- extra revolting, then you'd have to get a hose and just like spray them out, pour out the water. Oh, so then dude. you couldn't get away and you'd always be making noise and that some old cunt would just be like, oh, he's here. And their they, 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 uh, partner had passed away. So they had no one else to talk to yeah. kind of thing. And they were like, I need, and I fr- there was a part of me that felt pity for them, but there was also, but it was also like, do you know how much easier this would be if you came up to me and was like, hey, buddy, how's the day? It's a nice day, right? Um, do you reckon you could do, you know what, as opposed to being yeah, like, yeah, glad yeah, you're yeah. here. Uh, this is number one. And yeah, before yeah, I even get yeah. to number three, we got to talk about number two. And I'm like, oh, buddy, uh, this this. It See, was- that's the easy thing for me because it's a trade. And that, the second they get to the point where they, they, they can tell me what to do, the second they get to the point where they're telling me how to do it, I'm like, you, <laughs> this is, 
Like you're paying yeah. me to do it. I'm yeah, going to yeah, go yeah. and do it. How Precisely. Like, you got to just, there's that fine point where oh. you just have to put your foot down and be like, you know, fuck, get, get away from it. It's same with old builders. Old builders. I had one the other day where the guy comes in and I moved the barrier. I pulled my car through. I pulled my car up. I was replying to a few texts. I was about to get up to go and put the barrier back. And he comes to the window and he starts going, are you going to fucking put the barrier back? Are you going to oh fucking God. put the barrier back? And, and you just turn and you're like, mate, I'm just sitting here. And he goes, you know, it does the typical just trying to show dominant yeah, yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, he goes, yeah, yeah. I'm not here to wipe everyone's ass. <laughs> And I turn and I go, I didn't ask you to wipe my ass. Yeah. Just real flat. Yeah. Just real flat. I didn't like uh, And he goes, My well, ass isn't he shitty. Goes, I wasn't talking literally. <laughs> he goes, I was using a... And then <laughs> you just argue with him for a second. Bro. And as long as you get the last word, they scuttle away. And then he's nice for the rest of the day. Because there's just some broken fucking yes. alpha shit in yeah. their head. Mm. I hate it Bro, so much. I got, I, I think that, um, like, uh, I, I get so shitty. I, 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 I gotta say this, look, look I'm, there's not many tradies that I like on the job. I, there's, if, yeah, like, if, fair. on the We're job, cunts, like, most of us, dude, I I'm a fake tradie, but most tradies are cunts. Bro. Cause I've done like, a t uh, I think I've done all up. I've probably done a couple years of, um, well, of tradie work. I shouldn't say they're straight up cunts, but they're, uh, every trade is just thinking about themselves at the end of the day. They're not, they're not thinking about anyone else. Dude, and I was always admittedly the bitch of the site. Like I had to do, I was at the behest of everyone on the site. Yeah, that's not a good position to be in. And they were just broken guys, just like you said, that never had any sort of authority. Yeah, they just These take it Karens just like being yeah, like, yeah, yeah. oh, this is the first. It's like this, it's like the weird thing with hazing in college where even though these awful things were inflicted to them as they're coming up, rather than being like, ah, oh, fuck, I'm not going to make someone else feel like that they're like i cannot wait till i make someone else feel like that you know what i mean it's this weird sort of well like i got that when i first left i first left school in 2010 and i was doing uh staircases uh so i started a carpentry apprenticeship that i i fucked my back up it's a whole story anyway but I, I was at staircases and like there was some fun hazing there that i didn't mind like one day the guys go oh, i bet if i wrapped in glad wrap three times you couldn't bust your arms out mm. but i was too I fucking young and stupid to realize that once they went around me three times, they weren't going to stop. Oh, true. They were just going to keep going. True. So then that was, you know, they, you know, strapped me to a board and put me out in the sun for five minutes and then cut me off. You that know? might make me feel very claustrophobic. Nah, that's all a good <laughs> bit of fun. I don't mind <laughs> nah, that. Five but, minutes, I'm good with that. But like, I'd be like, fellas, uh, this is a good joke, but uh, I'm breathing. <laughs> <laughs> I like, I, I didn't have a problem with that. But, you know, little things, man. I was only 16. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. like, I dropped yeah, a trusting. chicken bone on the floor and and the, the manager fool calls you over and he goes, what the fuck is you had fucking chicken bones yells at you. I lean down to grab it. So like crouch yeah. down to grab it. And as I crouch down, just backhand to the back of my head, Whoa. just boom, flattens me as I crouch down and can't see him. That's to a 16 year old. And this so guy's like 34, or Can, 35. He's not only touching another person, he's touching another man. You know yeah, what I mean? In front of other men. I was men. barely a man. But, but that's yeah. the thing, yo, you're coming up and stuff like that. Like, and there was always um, this dick swinging mentality of like, especially if there was one foreman coming onto an, like coming onto a site and seeing like another sort of um, foreman or even like an, another sort of alpha role or senior role, they would always demonstrate their power by getting some little grunt to be like, hey man, go and dig that hole. Like, be yeah, like, you yeah, see yeah. it, see, you see this dick swing? And they'd be like, oh, you like that? Look at this thing. And they'd be like, grunt over there, go and do this. Kind. Like, they'd always just be trying to demonstrate their power and you would always just be this fucking, a pawn is too classy for what you actually were. You know what I mean? I was, I always felt like, man, this is not, these aren't the people I want to be around. Yeah, nah, it's, but it, what, 
there was really good guys as well. There was really good guys that kept really me in good it. guys, really yeah, good like, guys. And he that that guy that hit me, he was doing like you know he was doing shit like coming up to me and being like, oh you know, you know. Uh, we're not getting heaps of work and if you know you might if you don't start working a little better you might not be here anymore and then i ended up finding another job because i was like i'm fucking done with this he's belt me and shit i'm out of here incredible i went up to the boss and i told him i loved the boss he was a legend the guy who owned the company was a legend and i told him i was like i'm out of here i'm done with this and then uh he, he was like he told you that he's like you're an apprentice you cost me fucking nothing he goes i wouldn't boot you and he goes, it's more likely to get rid of the manager than I would be get rid of you. He goes, mm. you cost me chips, mm. nothing. Mm. And then you, actually, this is very on brand for this podcast, mm. Revenge, actually. Yeah. He's, a, he's a juicy little revenge story Please for you, podcast Please fans. Do. So this guy had been whacking me. So I knew that, I knew his work schedule. I just worked with him for a year. So, and I just started a site where I had to get up really early. I was going to the North Shore. So I was like, I'll get up an extra half an hour early and I'll be going past his house. And this is in the middle of summer. I'll be going past his house uh, probably about an hour before he leaves. So before he's probably even up. And I got 12 cartons of eggs and he had this Malou Commodore ute that he fucking loved. Oh, shit. And I, you know that little, at the bottom of the windscreen, there's yeah. that little black grill with all the vents? Yeah. I cracked all the eggs. Oh, my God. And they just went straight down into his air conditioning vent. Oh, Lord. So then the sun, it was a black car. So the sun just cooks them. So every time you put oh. your air conditioning on, you just get rotten egg oh. and you can't ever get it out of the fucking car. Holy <laughs> Lord, Mitch. That is amazing. I thought you were just going to pelt it and be like, he's going to hear it after that, the first carton. Nah, you got to get some subtle shit, man. You got to get some subtle shit. shit. <laughs> and we are back. Let's get amongst it. <laughs> That's right. Uh, so uh, Mitch sort of uh, mentioned earlier uh, that he was doing some locksmithing and I had some questions for, uh, for Mitch um, specifically on his locksmithing. Uh, I find it interesting. It's, it's one of the most interesting sort of jobs for me because there is so much sort of tension built up in uh, the time between you arriving to your client's house and uh, actually arriving because they are stuck out of their house. They, they, they cannot get out of the house or their car or something like that. And, uh, and you are the savior. You're the one that opens the door for them um, and, and, and gets them back to their belongings. And there's this moment of like, thank goodness. And I or pointed that out to you. I was like, man, you must get so much positive energy being a locksmith. Every day you get to meet people that are just like reunited with their stuff because of you and you, like, you were like, oh, you'd be surprised. Uh, people get kind of weird when it comes to paying the money. <laughs> yeah, it's not just that, but like, Definitely that. Like, there's a if it's a lockout, there's a fifty-fifty. There's a, they're either going to be really happy you're there or really mad they've got to pay the money. Mm. There's one way or the other. <laughs> but then you know, there's a whole other side of the trade as well. Like, especially if you do it on call, no one calls a locksmith at fucking eleven o'clock at night because everything's going swellingly in their life. <laughs> yeah, they're, they're not in a great mood. You know what <laughs> I mean? Their husbands so just come back from the pub and laid him out, and they're trying to key him out before he comes back. Oh my goodness! Yeah, that's so. You true. know, it's a pretty fucking shitty situation true 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 and but, also the hours that you get called you'd be like fuck okay yeah there's there, you get good mo there was one i went to that was really great where you know you get the call and it's like a rekey late at night police already on scene so oh mentally you're just like all right this is probably going to be a dv job of some kind a domestic violence job of some kind yeah. and you get there and you're walking into just share house and you're like okay that's weird and you start to take the locks off and i overhear him giving the report and they uh the the they had a few friends over. One of the roommates was German, mm. and this was just before COVID, just before the lockdown. 
So he had like three, she or he, I can't remember. They had a couple of friends over from Germany and they were all playing Monopoly. And one of the roommates had lost Monopoly, had flipped up the table, gotten a butcher's knife from the kitchen and chased these fucking German cunts out of the house. <laughs> He's like, the, I'm not paying for Mayfair again. Get yeah. out. <laughs> I, think, I think he just took the uh, get out of jail card a little too serious. Like seriously, oh thought he God. was actually going to get out. But yeah, he ran off. And then, yeah, I was just like, what the fuck? That's the weirdest fucking story ever. That's the last thing I expected. I rekeyed the house and then, yeah, he he rocked back up and tried to get in and the coffers are like throwing him out and he's going ballistic. You oh, my God. You see some like d- some real housewives shit for sure. <laughs> well, look, those Parker brothers. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, yeah, I was, uh, did you ever let somebody into a house uh, that you shouldn't have? Well, yeah, there was <laughs> once. There was, one, yeah. Cause, <laughs> so basically you have to ask for ID every time. Yeah. Because so that... Going back, so my dad was actually a locksmith as well to go back. Mm-hmm. So in the 80s, they didn't have all these like, you know, regulations and shit like that. His boss was one of the guys that actually started it back from the 80s. So when my dad went to a job once, the guy goes, yeah, can you let me in? Dad opened the door for him. The guy cleaned out the whole house and left the receipt for the locksmith at the front door. Jesus Christ. So the coppers just rocked up being like, one of your guys just let someone in at, you know yada 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 glebe or whatever it was and then yeah that, so now they've got like security license so when i was an apprentice i had to go and get all my fingerprints done and all that shit jesus so to, you know to make sure i'm not doing anything sketchy yeah um uh, so we have to ask on every job to make sure shit like that doesn't happen but there was once where well it happens lots because sometimes people <laughs> have just moved in that's when they lock themselves out and they've just moved in so the address hasn't changed or like their fucking mum's dead and they're trying to get into their mum's house or their mum's sick and they need to feed the cat or whatever it is, yeah. you know, there's always something. Yeah. So you can't, and you can't just be like, no, I'm not going to let you in. You have to, you know, if it's their mum, you'll be like, okay, there'll be a picture of you on the wall somewhere. Mm. So that's easy. You should be here. Mm-hmm. Or if it's someone's just moved in, you'll be like, they'll go, oh, there's a can of diet Sprite up my fucking ass in the fridge or whatever. And you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. It's there. Once you're inside, it's yeah. all good. Yeah. But one guy had just broken up with his girlfriend. and So he knew the inside of the house perfectly. Oh, shit. And she'd gone to work. So she'd already had the keys changed. Fuck. And I opened it and went in. And, and he took his laptop and he took all his stuff. He didn't take any of her stuff. Mm. But she got back there and all his stuff was gone and she called the cops. And then they pulled my prints off the door and then I ended up in Bird Police Station. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Fuck. Yeah, it's fucked. And oh. It's happened with fire doors before where they've broken in. What, how does that result? Well, it's just a fuck. It's just a tick of a box. You go in there. Well, actually, that's the funny thing. Once I, there was a period where it happened and then I'd move back to the gong. Well, I was always living in the gong, but I'd started working in the gong yeah. instead of coming back up to Sydney every day. Yeah. And then I go to him, well, I was there on a fucking job. I wasn't, I didn't break into it. Yeah, I, no. I got no interest in being in five dog whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, the, and I go, if you want to get a statement, you can either drive to Wollongong or get one of your local coppers to come. And it's yeah. too much effort. They just go, nah, fuck it. I can't be fucked. <laughs> oh my God. But it does happen every now and then. They pull your prints from somewhere. That's fucking unbelievable. You get you get days as well. Like I remember once in the morning, I went to a job and the, the chick goes, oh yeah, me and my uh, husband had a fight, this and that, this and that. I'm keen him out. And I was like, all right, I, I, I changed the locks for her. I... 
I went about, I went and did a few other jobs and then I got a call back to the same address. And I was like, oh, what? that's weird. I went back to the same address. I was like, maybe something happened. And I got there and it was the boyfriend or the husband or whatever. And she goes, she's called some fucking locksmith who's fucking keyed me out. And it was me. I'd been there like four <laughs> hours before. <laughs> she goes, this fucking bitch has got some dickhead to key me out. And I'm sitting there. And I, it was the quickest I've ever done a re in my life. Because I'm just like, if she rocks back up, she's going to tear me a new oh asshole. That is so funny. They look at the, the, bank, the bank statement and it's like two... Two uh, yeah. charges from the same locksmith within the Yeah, that's that actually that would be a funny idea when they actually settled the divorce and yeah. they looked at the bank statements. It's like the same day, same locksmith, yeah. four hours apart. Settle the argument kind of thing. <laughs> I did see both sides. Maybe they should have brought me in to mediate. They could have stayed together. Maybe I can unlock this uh, trouble that you're having here. Um, yeah. Okay, so let's bring you to let's. I'm going to I'm going to bring it to the crux of why I've wanted to bring you on this podcast. We're going to talk about some Australian history and i don't have any music to to play for that and frankly i don't know what i would play maybe i can do it in the uh the post yeah, post editing could. we can put some sort of intros like here, here we go a white guy tells a part aboriginal guy about his own history <laughs> that's gonna that's gonna be it <laughs> <laughs> okay so uh so where were we gonna start so actually you know what i, I want to start um in uh can we start with macquarie okay yeah we can start uh so macquarie was the fourth or the the fifth he was the fifth governor so basically the thing was arthur philip was the first governor and when he first came here there's like uh, if you look at the soldiers reports and stuff like that the first governor of of new south wales sorry okay. yeah the first governor of new south wales so when he first came here if you look at the soldiers reports they were all pissed because uh arthur philip's thing was that he was going to feed everyone equally it was essentially the first communist state a hundred years before Karl Marx even existed because he was like, no matter if you're a convict soldier or me as governor, everyone gets equal share. Well, he had a way better house than a fucking gamesman or whatever. A couple slaves. Yeah, it? actually, it probably wasn't him. <laughs> he probably wasn't included in the, in the Spanish, but his Everyone soldiers else. were not happy about it, <laughs> yeah, and that's yeah. for sure. But the when they bought it in originally, they, they said that it was like 150 kilometres range, I think, or 100 hundred or two hundred or something like that. It basically it was enough to get to Wollongong and probably just Newcastle was the range that the government had said that they were gonna take, essentially. This they was were the like, original settlement. Yeah, they were like, okay, we've come Terra Nualis or whatever, lands that belongs in Terra Nualis, which is yeah, I said it wrong. Yeah. Right. My Latin isn't that good, believe no, it or no. not. I for some, for some reason I know. <laughs> yeah, Elliot's the Latin master. It's the eastern <laughs> suburbs coming out in him. Yeah, so the, the, the land was declared Terra Nullius, which uh, which actually uh it um, what is the word I'm looking for? It, the meaning is dead land. Yeah, land that belongs to no one. Something like mm. that. Yeah, something like that. So, but originally they were like, we're gonna take this pocket here, and they took Tasmania too right at the start, and they were like, this is ours, but everything else we're gonna leave to the Aboriginals. And Arthur Philip tried. Like, I'm not saying I'm sure you could go back and find something that says that he was a fucking dick. And I know that his gamekeeper, the guy that like took care of his property. There was some sketchy shit with him where he definitely killed a couple of Aboriginals that he shouldn't have, um, like that were just passing through the property. Because when there was this Aboriginal warrior called, his name's escaped me right now. Um, ah, he was absolutely hectic. He's like the coolest. If you look back, they when they caught him at one point and they strapped him down, they pulled like 14 ounces of lead out of him from, from bullets. Oh, wow. They thought there was like a, within the community, within the settlement, 
there was a story going that this guy was impenetrable to bullets. Like he was a, he was like a mythical man that had come to protect the Aboriginals and he was impervious to bullets. They didn't do anything to him because he just literally had so many chunks of fucking lead in Jesus. his body. Uh, I can't believe I've forgotten his name. Well, maybe we can put it in in post kind of thing. Yeah, um, we'll put it in post. Uh, we'll put it in before or whatever, but yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so this guy, so you were talking about, and I really want you to get into it. So there was this, um, a white man that shot uh, an indigenous man and caused a bunch of issues. So, uh, And that, then you got to this um, impenetrable man. Yeah, so basically that was the, th there was a couple of, you know, irregularities, some things that shouldn't have happened. But Arthur Phillip and a couple of those early governors were trying to keep things good, especially Arthur Phillip. The next couple weren't great, but everything, once Macquarie got there, that's when everything went to shit. I think it was like 1810 or something like that. So the money, the money from Tasmania had kind of stopped. Like in those first early years, Tasmania was England's most profitable outpost because of all the seals. Like they didn't have anything to put lights in. So all the seal skins and seal fat was just going straight back to Europe. And um, like, what do you mean they didn't have anything to put light in? Well, like they didn't have electricity. Like they had, they oh. had to use like a whale fat or seal oh, fat course, or something like course, that. Of course, of course. So before the sheep really took off in New South Wales, Tasmania was just absolutely killing it. So like, I think there, the, in eighteen oh three there was some report that I think it was about one hundred and seven thousand seals were killed in that year alone, and by eighteen ten there was no seals coming back to the coast anymore. Oh so wow, it was that bad. And like sealers, sealers went down there pretty early to Tassie. There was like, or because well, I guess Van Diemen's Land is probably technically what it would have been then until like eighteen fifty ish. What is Van Diemen's Land? Tasmania. That's what it was called. Van Diemen's Land. Van Diemen's Land until eighteen fifty. I want to say eighteen fifty three or fifty four somewhere there. Okay. Um, the sealers were of all different races. There was like Norwegians, Swedish. There was Canadians. There was Americans. There was, but they weren't convicts. No, they weren't convicts. They went down there because they heard, I guess, through word of mouth that there was a big whaling stuff going on down there. Mm -hmm. And they basically go down. They would bribe the local Aboriginals to with whatever to get a couple of women. And then they would go to the little islands off Tasmania and then just chuck the, the woman on the island there to like... Because they already knew how to like take the seal skins off and do all the work and they could catch food. They being the women? Yeah, the women. The women could catch like you know, the kangaroos that were on the little island and be able to always have food when he would come back. So, and that was when there was still obviously Tasmanian Aboriginals before they all kind of got wiped out years later. In the, I don't know, the next 15, 20 years after that. Mm. But the sealing was huge. That was pretty much everything that Australia was to the English for the first like 15, 20 years. What they were making all their money off, like the, the amount that they were spending on the Australian settlement, they were getting it like 20 times back in seal fat. Oh, like, wow. Yeah, just heaps. So then as that started to fade, the sheep started to, to come up and they started to make more money off that because the seals stopped appearing. And then right around then, the settlement was just starting to get some numbers up a bit higher and they finally got someone who actually kind of wanted... He didn't really want to be in Australia, but he was just such an animal, Lachlan Macquarie was, just such an animal, just a ladder climber, just a fucking, he, you know, typical egotist, you know. He went where the like, money was. Yeah, well, no, he wanted to get notoriety. He, okay. And he wasn't, like, he wasn't of good enough blood or whatever to be able to get something in America or wherever he could have, he would have rathered. 
And because Australia was seen as this really bad, no one really wanted to come here. Yeah, they paid people to live here. Yeah, they were getting rid of people, like, and, and especially like they the actual officials. Ten pound palms or some shit. Oh, that's way later. That's like the nineteen fifties. That's after the war, and they fucking sent all our kids away. And this is how this is why we're doing this segment. That's so far <laughs> past. That's like two hundred years later. This is why yeah. we're doing my segment. But also, my point stands. They couldn't even get it together two hundred years later. They yeah, had to pay <laughs> yeah, <laughs> literally. <laughs> but uh, sorry, we were with uh, okay, so Macquarie. Um, the uh, ruthless businessman that he was found himself in Australia. Yeah, typical egotist, like part of his thing that he wanted was every single suburb in all of the country, or, or I guess it would have been Sydney at that point, should have a Macquarie Street. He wanted a Macquarie on everything. You look at it now, Macquarie University, Macquarie Bank, Macquarie Park, Macquarie, it's fucking everywhere. And what's this gentleman's name? First Lachlan name? Macquarie. Lachlan, Lachlan Macquarie. Macquarie. And it all comes Scottish. From- we shouldn't call him a gentleman. What is this uh, scumbag's um, first name, <laughs> last name? Yeah, yeah so Lachlan Macquarie. Lachlan Macquarie. Yeah. And uh, you were the one that actually explained that to me, that Macquarie, uh, Lachlan Macquarie is the reason why we have Macquarie uh, and his, you know, um, Trumpisms. Uh, yeah, he, 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 Trumpisms is a perfect way to put it. He's it, just like, he yeah. wanted everything to be named after him yeah. so he'd be remembered long past I had his no day. idea about that, but that makes yeah. perfect sense. Um, can you, uh, I'm sorry, can we continue? Yeah, we can continue. So um, basically from there... Well, well, it depends. So, basically, Macquarie—that's when things started to get really bad for the the indigenous people. That started to get much, much worse. The countries that they started to spread out, they started to move down to like Golden. They started to, you know. So this going to the what was the first governor's name? The first governor was Arthur Phillip, and Arthur Phillip only wanted to take a span of how many kilometers? Uh, I think it was a hundred or one hundred and fifty. It was just enough to get to Wollongong. About that. Okay. And from Sydney, from from Sydney, from yeah. like from the like CBD. Exactly. Essentially, they had like a ring, and then the uh, Newcastle was set up separately. It was originally called Kingstown. Okay, uh, and and I'm loving all these original names. I've I did not know this. Shit. Even Sydney, a lot of people don't know Sydney was actually called New Albion for like two years before it was That's named amazing. Sydney. Yeah, New, New Albion. What was it? New what, Albion. Where was Albion a place in? Yeah, West Bron. Uh, well, I don't know exactly. I know. Well, uh, this is going to go back to fucking football teams because that's all I've got. But West Bromwich Albion is a team in England. It's like... Interesting. I don't know what the fuck it means. All right, we'll leave that there then. (laughs) No, no, that's fine. That's fine. We'll come come back to it if we need to. But um, okay, so then... They they started to push out, basically. They started to go to Goulburn, Camden. The the sheep thing started to come up. As a result of Lachlan Macquarie. Exactly. So this kind of brings us into what I wanted to talk to you about as well with with William Buckley. So... um, with Melbourne, so Melbourne's kind of like a weird one. So in 1803, they sent a ship there. 1804? Anyway, about there. They sent a ship down there to go and set up a settlement in Port Phillip because Hume had walked from Sydney to Port Phillip to map all the way to the bottom. Hume? Hume. Like As Hume in the highway. highway. Yeah, there's, it was a dude called... Do you remember his first name? Only for posterity. No, oh, that's I all good. I don't no, remember his first name. I actually grew up on Hume Drive in Helensburg. There you go. Anyway, um, the, so he... They were going to set up a settlement in Port Phillip and I think they were there for about two weeks or something like that. And the Collins, I think, is the guy who ran it, I'm pretty sure. And he was just like, fuck this. The, the, all the indigenous are just fucking with us. There's, it's all sand. There's no dirt. He was just like, nah, this is no good. So he's like, all right, we're going to go back. We're going to go over to Tasmania. He got clearance to, in some letter to go to Tasmania from Sydney. And then there's this guy called William Buckley. So now anyone who's listening who grew up a little bit more bogan, I don't know if it would have happened in the, ci- in the city, but there was this expression called Buckley's chance. So if you had no chance at someone, something would say Buckley's chance or someone from Melbourne might say Buckley's and none. 
which it basically just means you've got no shot. So William Buckley was on that ship that landed in Port Phillip, which is Melbourne, in 1803. And they were there for two weeks. Now, he got word that they were going to go to Tasmania and he knew that that was an island and he wasn't going to be able to get out of there. So he went, fuck this. They being... Uh, he he was going to Tasmania. He knew that he wasn't going to be able to get out of Tasmania because he was going to be stuck on the island. And if he stayed at Port Phillip, he had a chance to be able to walk back to Sydney, pretend to be someone else, and then get out of there. Wow. That was his original plan. Wow. So five of the guys got out of there. One of them was shot by the sentry, like the, the guards. One of them was speared by an Aboriginal. Three of them went back, and then he decided... Three of them went back to go to Van Diemen's land, Tasmania. And then he decided, like, fuck this. I'm just going to take my chances in the bush. So he spent... Wow. A, yeah, just fuck that. I'm going to take like my chances Native in the Native American land just kind of thing. Just, you just be hitting the neck with an arrow at any The point. only white guy there, just nothing. Oh. Doesn't speak what any of their languages. Hey, fellas. <laughs> doesn't speak any of their languages. So he's just wandering around, keeping himself fed as much as he can. Wow. I think he had a little interaction with a family who gave him some food or whatever. And then one day he was walking... And, and a, an elder had just been buried down there from the, I can't remember the name. Of it. It's like the Wath, Watharong people or something like that. I'm sorry I'm butchering that. No, but no, no, no. It's something like that. So he, um, there had been a burial of the elder and the person had put the spear, the, 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 not the person, the, the group of people had put the elder's spear to mark the grave and he was walking along and he wanted a walking stick and didn't oh, realise no. And he picked it up. So they, none of them would touch it. But when they saw him, they thought he was the spirit of the elder who'd been brought back to life. As a ghost, white skin. As a ghost. So they pulled him into their, their group. And for 32 years, he lived with them in what? Port Phillip. For 32 years. And then when uh, ba- John Batman... When John Batman actually... Wait, Batman? Yeah, his name's John Batman. Yeah. Do, you, do you know there's a Batman Lane or something like that in yeah. like Surrey Hills or something? And like there's be one in, there's a heap of Batman avenues in Melbourne too because Batman was Whoa. founded in Melbourne. Oh, what? Yeah, ba- John Batman, his name was. That's, an, that's unbelievable. He's, a little aside, his brother is, I'm actually related to if you go back decently enough. You have an obligation to this city. Well, you have to, an obligation to the city. I'm just complete a, white trash. As a white knight. So this, so the, John Batman signed the fake treaty with the Melbourne Aboriginal people and it was to part of the genocide of Tasmania. But I, I yeah, like and the, technically I am related to his brother. That's how white trash I am. <laughs> okay, so, so you could, okay, was it called, the, was it the Black Lion or something like that? Or something uh, they called it in... Um, the Black Lion? In Tasmania where they had a bunch of people oh, so yeah. small that they, it, it, it's so small comparatively to the rest of Australia that they could have a man basically shoulder to shoulder. In they a did distance. that. No, it was a, the, the, well, the Tasmanians had, before the English got there, they did have a disease that hit them pretty bad before the English even showed up. Really? Yeah, the, but the French had been there, so I think so they got some dirty French saliva shit on them, and that started fucking with them before the French the got there. Got before there. the yeah, yeah the French landed there first. There was some guy. Um, <laughs> there's this, uh, you know, typical French shit. It's the most French shit in the world. There was some philosopher, and the ship captain used to read the philosopher, and he said that you had to like. If you ever went to a country where there was savages, in inverted commas, just so yeah, everyone knows, but oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, you had to get down to their level. So he would have all of his uh, uh, crew stripped naked. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> so they would come off all these ships and it's just these white as fuck French guys in the middle of winter <laughs> on some fucking Hobart beach just trying to talk to a bunch of Aboriginals. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> oh, shivering. Like, I don't want a mirror. What the fuck can I do with a mirror? pathetic enough to not kill. Yeah. <laughs> let, let leave. So there was, the Aboriginals did get belted uh, down there to get belted with some disease from that. But eventually, it, when it did start to get bad there, they did, the white guys ended up in a line across the country marching. I think they were about 50, I mean. 60 metres apart. They weren't like shoulder to shoulder. That's they, what I'm trying to say. I'm just yeah. like giving an image kind of thing. Like I think they only killed two. 50 to 60 metres apart is still preposterous. They like, killed two. What? Really? Yeah, heaps of them slipped through. They, there was a no massive way. failure. No way. It was a massive failure. Can you get into that a little bit? I don't know enough about it to get into it specifically. Would but you, would you be you gotta be able to come back and break down some more history? I'm sure, yeah. I can come on and talk shit whenever. That would yeah. be awesome. Yeah. I'd love that. Um, I'll, I'll have a little more of a look into it. Okay, so then Arthur Phillips goes into uh, yeah, funny aside, thirty two years quickly. with the indigenous. Um, oh we'll, yeah, we'll get back into that after. I mean, let me finish go, Buckley. Let me finish Buckley. No, no, no. Go to the French and then we'll get back to. Okay, all right, all right. So the, the funniest side with the French is just before Napoleon. So Buckley actually was fighting Napoleon in 1799 before he came to Australia. What nationality? He's English. He's English. Okay. Yeah. Uh, he was fighting. He was fighting Napoleon. I think in the Netherlands, I'm pretty sure, or Belgium, somewhere in around there. Jesus. Um, but Napoleon actually, La Perouse had come down. La Perouse was in port in Sydney when the first fleet arrived. What do you, can you explain? That's I'm too. La Perouse was a French explorer. Oh, oh. And La Perouse was a French explorer oh. and he was in Sydney Basin when the first fleet landed. So he'd gone back with all this information to the French and he told them about how they'd had this tiny little sediment set up, this bumfuck little thing. But the English paperwork all said that this was a barren shit country to live in because none of them actually went that far inland. They didn't realise how much grass and shit there actually is where you can, places you can grow stuff. La Perouse had actually gone and explored it. Mm. So he went back to France and told Napoleon, just before Napoleon was taken out of power, that, I haven't actually read the book yet, but I've, got, I've, I've just started it. But there was a, a 45 fleet ship, uh, uh, what do you call it? A Commodore or some shit they call it. And A Commodore? It's like a humongous group of ships. A Commodore. Where the name wrong. comes from. I'm, I'm no fucking name. Well, no, that's, it's interesting. I'm loving it. I'm, loving I'm completely I'm talking shit. <laughs> Wouldn't it be awesome if you just made up every fact about this? Yeah, podcast? it's all this bullshit. The thing is, it would be so hard for me to scrape all that out. I'd be reciting it years <laughs> later and being like, Mitch. <laughs> this is pretty much just what that is. Someone's just told me and I've just recited it. <laughs> no, this is awesome. This is like uh, no. um, drunk bogan history. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. I've heard it in a pub and I'm going to repeat it. Yeah, a white guy, extrain, a white guy explains <laughs> history to an Aboriginal guy who's also white. <laughs> That's a show. Well, it's a, but, nice, it's a nice Kevlar for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like, it's okay. Yeah. <laughs> He's with me. <laughs> yeah, so Napoleon, yeah, had like 45 ships ready to come and he was going to come to Sydney and overthrow the English and because he just sold Louisiana. So that's, oh, that's fat. Well, can we get into that Napoleon, later? Yeah. yeah, we can get into that whenever, but yeah, yeah, Napoleon sold Louisiana to fund a fleet of ships to take over Sydney wow. and then was taken out of power before the fleet could leave and no, it was never done. No way. We would have been frog-eating, mercy-saying cunts. Oh, wow. We would have hated them. That well, would have I, been our enemy. We would have been like... Because <laughs> we, we're pretty chill with the British. We're like... we. We I kind of hate the British, to be honest. Well, the <laughs> Australians are chill with them. We let we let them come over a lot. We're still part of the Commonwealth. We can't get out yeah, of the, yeah. from underneath their thumb. We're still like we act appreciative. We're still giving them fucking free wool for nothing. Yeah, oh, <laughs> is that true? Oh no, I'm 
talking shit. <laughs> I was like, oh, is that, they're taking a wool? Nah, <laughs> it's bullshit. The Commonwealth bullshit. We paid like fucking 25 million bucks to stay in their stupid club so the queen feels popular. Yeah. It's, it's the, the dumbest shit ever. Most extended case of Stockholm syndrome that's ever existed. Yeah, exactly <laughs> right. If we had a, even an ounce of non-laziness as a nation, we would no longer be attached to them anymore. If we could grow some ovaries or nuts. Yeah. We'd just, be, uh, yeah. Anyway, so um, uh, back to Arthur Phillips. All right. Uh, back to uh, Buckley. We're at Buckley. Uh, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Yeah, uh, Buckley. Yeah, William isn't, Buckley. Will, so will, is he, it William F? Will, I have no sorry, idea. William, William Buckley. Buckley. No, I don't think he had a middle name. Okay. But so he disappeared 32 years in the bush and then when Batman, Batman sailed in in like 1830, <laughs> I want to say three or four, somewhere there, 32, somewhere around there, into uh, uh, Melbourne, he signed a treaty, again, inverted commas happening, with the local Aboriginals there. He gave them some axes and some fucking shit. And in he took exchange down their local for that, penguin. they gave him Melbourne. Like, that's Melbourne. Oh, fuck. Okay. So it, the local Aboriginals signed some bullshit fucking treaty where they had some lawyer in sight there where he, they suppo- the elder supposedly signed it and they gave him rugs and blankets and, and axes and all this stuff so they could have it. Did this and hold weight with the government? Actually, the, the the British government was like, this is preposterous. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. It was essentially a, a, an illegal outpost, a, a British outpost for basically 20 years. And then in the 1850s, they found gold. Oh, what? They found gold in Ballarat. And then that was it. They were like, oh, actually, no, 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 no. We're definitely allowed to have this part of the country too. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, wow. And then it all legitimized, got legitimized from there. Like <laughs> the gold money just pumped into Melbourne. All the buildings started coming up and it all just come out of nowhere. Essentially just from the gold. Like uh, Ballarat was the most profitable gold field in the world for two years in a row. And I think like 70% of the world's gold came there from there in an 18-month period. 70% of it that was mined for an 18-month period came from Ballarat, just in that eight, 1854, 55, 56, in and around there. Jesus Christ. And, and, what, ba- and Bathurst. They found it at Bathurst at a similar, maybe a bit earlier. What currency were we using then? Do you? Rem- it was still British. We, we only changed to... Our, I've actually got a joke about this is that I do, but we only changed to our, um, uh, what do you call it, currency in 1966 to our currency now that we have like we were still on pounds and sterling until 1965 really yeah so aboriginals were still technically animals to the government they were still when our coins were made part of the flora right that's what i've been saying yeah so we're changing our notes for the blind people now so they can feel them and the fucking coins it's like lyrebird echidna kangaroo you know all the fucking animals and aboriginals slapped right in there with them if I was Aboriginal, if I was Aboriginal, I'd be like, fuck the fucking blind kids. Let's sort these coins out before you fucking take care of the blind kids. Oh my God. <laughs> this podcast is not brought to you by Tremendous Portaloo Bidet Attachment. Have you ever walked into a site portaloo and not wanted to touch a single thing? Now, you don't even have to touch the toilet paper. Tremendous portaloo bidet attachment has the power of a scaffolder and goes harder on the blow than an electrician at a Christmas party. So on the next trade site, choose to turd with tremendous portaloo bidet attachment. 
No shit tickets, no worries. And we are Buckley. We are Buckley. Uh, Elliot cut us off. <laughs> I think he uh, heard me make that lazy comparison. He was like, nope, we're done there. <laughs> <laughs> no, it wasn't. It wasn't the lazy comparison. I actually enjoyed the joke a lot. I just felt like, uh, I don't know, drinking some more beer and going to an ad. You yeah. know what I mean? Like uh, I was like, uh, this is what we should probably be doing right now. I can get into that too. Yeah. I can get into that too. Yeah. All right. So we'll finish it up and we're basically talking about Buckley. Uh, he comes out of the bush after 32 years. His English is all broken uh, because obviously he hasn't spoken in so long. He ends up being part of the... Buckley being Wi William Buckley. When William Buckley. And he went into the bush. Uh, what was the reason? Uh, because basically because uh, he didn't want to go to Van Diemen's Land because yep. he knew there was no chance of getting out. He That's knew right. that if he stayed in Port Phillip, in, and that was the first time They'd they tried to make the settlement and, and it failed... He might have a chance of getting to Sydney. Might and have a chance of getting to Sydney, there. that's right. Yeah. So um, basically he pretty much screwed over the Aboriginals that he'd been living with for 32 years and then made some claim that, you know, the black people were treating him like white people and the white people were treating him like black people and then took his money and got the fuck out of there and went to Tasmania um, and then married some other chick and had another kid and then, yeah, basically fell off a horse and died in his 70s or something and somehow this man is still in the australian vernacular with the with the great expression expression of he's got buckley's chance that's fucking ridiculous yeah so such a stupid just weird way I, I suppose because like most people went into the bush most people went into the bush and were never seen again yeah and then buckley showed up 32 years later yeah i guess you're right probably heaps of people did it and they did the exact same thing every time where yeah. they were just like oh he's got no fucking chance of living and yeah, then yeah, this yeah. one dude just came back that's and right. we're like you got one in a you got one in a white man's chance yeah <laughs> you know what i mean Pretty much just the luck of the chance that he picked up that spear. Luck of the Irish, probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> probably. But um <clears throat> but he Buckley was involved with uh with the gold rush and um I was asking you what, like what was Australia's sort of fascination with gold and you were like, Well the obvious fascination is metallic things that come out of the ground. Um, have always propelled like uh, our economy is pretty much based off it. Precisely, it's gold rocks that come from the ground. Although we were still working off sterlings and pounds back and, and until what date? Uh, sixty six, I think. Sixty six, Australia was working off sterlings and pounds. I yeah. didn't know that shit. I'm I pretty sure around the same time we converted uh to the metric system too. Okay. Yeah, pretty. I'm pretty confident it was six mid sixties somewhere there. Yeah. yeah. Um. So basically with the gold, we're talking about it. So like Bathurst, Bathurst um, was a gold mine, but yep. Ballarat, the, the Melbourne was an illegal outpost that they were really against. They, they, someone found gold at Ballarat. Who was the guy that, that established Ballarat again? Or uh, what, what was his name? Uh, I'm not sure on the guy that established Ballarat. Sorry, but that it wasn't illegal. It wasn't illegal settlement to the. Uh, no, English. no, that you're thinking of Melbourne. Melbourne was an illegal settlement at mm. at at the start. I might have misspoken. Actually, I'm not sure, but no. that Melbourne was an illegal uh, place, and that was Batman. Batman was the guy that That's signed right. it. Yep, so yep, you'll yep. still see Batman have 
I think there is one in Sydney. There's there's heaps of them in Melbourne. There's but Batman they, they, Way, Batman Ave, Batman Park. They're everywhere. Exactly. But they denied its legitimacy until they found gold and they were like, oh, wait, of course that's ours. All of a sudden, the English were interested in Victoria and yes. they no longer cared about this whole idea of 150 kilometres outside Sydney. Yeah. So, and then Melbourne just blew up. Melbourne, the buildings went up on the back of gold. It was crazy. It was, I think it was... Uh, there was a year or two years or period, something like that, where 70% of the gold in the world that was mined or something came out of one suburb in Victoria. Jesus Christ. And yeah. These are the kind of facts. Uh, that's the reason I want you on this podcast. Mind-blowing <laughs> facts like that where you're like, are you kidding me? Yeah. Australia, Aussie, Aussies. Aussie, <laughs> you know what I mean? Just like something to fucking, to fucking hang your cap on, you know? Yeah, it was two. there was a two-year period where it was the most profitable gold field in the world. Because our history far. is so dark. <laughs> yeah, there, there's a few things where you can cut. But even there, I guess the, I'm sure there's someone who who was living on those gold fields before that. It wasn't that fucking stoked about it. So in every fucking great story, there's still a silver lining. Or a black one. A gold lining, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, well, the, the interesting thing with Ballarat, historically anyway, is is the Eureka thing. So you see now, it's, it's like our version of the Confederate flag, the Eureka flag. You'll see it like... A lot of nationalist parties will use it. There'll be big like marches in Melbourne and shit like that. The bunch of fucking bogans with shit tattoos. And you you were explaining to me that this is uh, a suburb in um, uh, where was it? Yeah, it's it's in Ballarat. It's a little suburb. I'm not sure if it's named after the suburb or the suburbs named after it. It's like kind of a chicken and egg thing. I'm yep. not really sure. But Eureka. But Eureka, the Eureka stockade happened, and it was like the the English government was fucking them on taxes and shit. And they all kind of came together. Now, the the, the, in, the the reason I bring up the fact that the nationalists use it is because when it actually happened, this flag was meant to represent all of these different nations of people coming together and overthrowing the fact that the British people were just pushing them down and taking all their money. They were doing all the hard work and they weren't getting any of the reward for it. Mm. So it's just such a stupid hypocrisy that now... The, the Bogans have decided to turn around and be like, this is our, yeah, love it or leave it, fuck off, we're full flag. And it was like, you, you were saying it's like the Confederate flag. It's like the Confederate It's essentially, flag. yeah, now it is. It's not, it's seen as like a, you see it on those Ford Falcons that have got the big fucking grill fronts and the aerials that go so fucking ridiculously high. They're, like, like they're trying to talk to Mars from their fucking Falcon. Eureka will rise again. Yeah. <laughs> Indoniloquent. Indoniloquent. <laughs> Okay, so where does that put us in Australian history? Well, basically, yeah. There's gold. Gold and sheep is pretty much what a lot of it has been on, uh, on the back of, on the back of people that, you know, were kind of fucked over as well, obviously. I think, you know, people talk a lot about the Aboriginals and things like that with slavery. I think uh, what people don't talk a lot about is Kanakas. I think that's, it's probably a, an actual racist word to say that now. I don't, I'm not actually that. sure. Never heard that word ever. Kanakas? Kanakas. I'm pretty sure you probably shouldn't say it or at least to someone about them or something. It's a slur. But yeah, it, it's what they used to do was they would just sail out to the Pacific Islands. They being? Uh, the English or whoever would sail out to the Pacific Islands and, and go to the, all the guys. We'll give you this much money, all this. It's a two-year contract. And, you know, like 25% of them got back to the island and, you know... Uh, maybe half of them actually ever got paid any money. So it was essentially just slavery. 
just dressed up in a different name. Okay. And it's something that's just like criminally kind of undersold, I think, and the Kan- in Australian history. Kanakas in the, uh, for lack of a better word, were they Indigenous? They were, you know, <coughs> uh, whether it be Criminals. from Vanuatu. No, no, no. Oh. They would just sail into one of these islands. So from Papua New Guinea to Torres Strait to, to wherever, and, and they would just offer these guys a chance to work for money and axes and all this stuff on a two-year contract, inverted commas again, and and they would just their family would just never see him again. They would die on a sugar cane in fucking Bundaberg somewhere. Oh, you're kidding. So, so okay, so the people that picking them up were uh, white. Yeah, yeah. It just they're fucking farmers that want someone to plow a field Holy that they don't want to fucking pay shit. for it. So, oh my god. So they didn't even bribe the family. They offered opportunity. They offered it, and some of them did get paid. So I'm sure there is there was like you know your odd rogue farmer who was like, I'm a good slave owner i'm actually going to give him some money oh my god but most of them didn't even make it back let alone get paid oh <laughs> wow fuck yeah it's some crazy shit and so kanakas come into it's the term that's given to the people that fe- the, that fell for this scheme well yeah it was a word for like pacific islanders that were bought on or torres i think it was torres well i guess torres Strait's a whole nother thing too right mm. so we talk and i guess it's a touchy subject especially as a fucking white dude but we talk about Aboriginal stuff a lot, right? And always using the same, or like the right name and things like that, and like making sure that we're wherever we are, we say it's these people's land. Mm-hmm. What the fuck happened with Torres Strait? Mm. Some Spanish cunt sailed through a channel five hundred and fifty years ago, and it's still called the Torres Strait. Like, did that, I'm ignorant to what this. Uh, so the Torres Strait. Was Pablo Torres was some Spanish dude really? who sailed through there? I didn't even think about that. And it got called the Torres Strait Islands, and we still just roll with this idea that it's the Torres Strait Islands. And it's always been weird to me for natural names. It's like Aboriginal and Torres Strait. It's like, yeah, strange, don't you reckon? Okay, so this guy Torres, I didn't even think about that. I've never said it with. Well, I don't like know a- shit about him. I don't even know if his name's Pablo. I just made that up. <laughs> But his last name was definitely Torres. <laughs> That's fucking hilarious. I think that might be the next segment. Torres uh, Straight Islanders. That's fucking unbelievable. Yeah, I don't know that much about him, but the idea that they just have been named after this Spanish guy who didn't even land on the fucking island seems pretty odd to me. Okay. Uh, let's, let's, <clears throat> let's do what most nations did and steer away from that. <laughs> Because neither of us know enough. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that. why I went down that lane. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no. Okay, cool. So look, um, we're going to uh, the tremendous podcast. What we like to do is we like to um, we like to do a little uh, joke of the week, right? And I know that you're not prepared for that at the moment, and frankly, neither am I. Well, I could be. Oh, you, you do you have a joke of the week? Well, I have a street joke. Probably I could I could pull out I reckon that's all I need, that's all I need. Um, so before we get to the street joke, is there any sort of last uh, notes that you want to leave us with Australian history before we get to come back to it? Is there anything maybe like a little uh, cliffhanger? Is there? Uh, um, I would say to anyone <coughs> who idolizes Captain Cook, he fucking hated Australia and wanted nothing to do with it. Joseph Banks is the dick you should be sucking, and you're a moron. Oh, amazing <laughs> Joseph Mate Banks may be the next episode as well yeah. you left me on a cliffhanger exactly what I wanted um, uh, Mitch uh, do you have a street joke 
I have an old Dave Allen joke from the 60s I reckon I can probably say for pretty good. An old Dave Allen joke, Dave Allen uh, being? Uh, he was an old uh, he was an old Irish-Australian comedian who was on television in Australia in the 60s. It's like when I first started getting into comedy, that was what my pop used to show me all the time. Okay, perfect. Yeah, this, is um, exactly, this sounds exactly like it's um, tremendous. So, at the clergy, there's at, at, at a church, right? And it's at the clergy, and there's all the nuns. So, the nun wakes up in the morning, and she walks out of the door. And, and as she walk, starts to walk down the hall, she sees the first other nun and she goes to wave to say hello. And the nun goes, looks at her up and down and goes, looks like you got out of the wrong side of the bed this morning. She can, she looks at it funny. She continues to walk. And then the next nun, she sees her and the nun goes, looks like you got out of the wrong side of the bed this morning. And as she goes down the hall, the next 10, 15 nuns, they all say the same thing. And finally she gets to the end, the mother clergy and the mother clergy before she can even open her mouth, the nun, she goes, Don't you tell me that I got out of the wrong side of the bed this morning? The mother clergy looks at her and says, I wasn't going to say that. I was, uh, I was just going to say, you've got the bishop's shoes on. <laughs> Alrighty. That's fucking, what was the name of that comedian? Dave Allen. Dave Allen. That sounds like That's tremendous. 60 shit. Tremendous. <laughs> yeah, 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 and it's still shit today. Yeah. <laughs> tremendous people. Thank you so much. Say, go, say goodbye to the people, Mitch. See you, mate. See ya. Love ya. Yeah. <laughs>